Welcome to the Left Hand Church Podcast. My name's Paula Stone-Williams, and I'm one of the co-pastors here. We're so glad that you're with us. We love having you join us here at Left Hand. We would love it if you would join us in a financial way as well. You can text any amount to 84321, and we'll receive it. You also can go to our website, lefthandchurch.org, and you can find out there how you can donate. Every time we begin a service, we begin with these words. Married, divorced, and single here. It's one family that mingles here. Conservative and liberal here. We've all got to give a little here. Big and small here. There's room for us all here. Doubt and belief here. We all can receive here. LGBTQ and straight here. There is no hate here. Woman, non-binary, and man here. Everyone can here. Whatever your race here, for all of us, grace here. In imitation of the ridiculous love Almighty God has for each of us and all of us, let us live and love without labels.
Good evening, everyone. My name is Heather Lynn. My pronouns are she, they, and I'm grateful to welcome you into this space tonight. Welcome home, beloved ones. As we gather, that was our buffer song. We started calling it that a couple years ago when we started live streaming on the regular because the Global Branch is here with us. So let's give them a little shout out. We love you, Global Branch. Please say hi in the comments. Share the live stream if you'd like to. Those of you in this space, please uh, feel free to make yourself at home. Move about the room during this next song if you'd like to, if you need to. And help yourself to a hot cup of coffee or tea right over here if that interests you. Also, if you're here for the very first time, welcome. Thank you for making your way here. If you'd like to share with us some thoughts and info on the newcomer cards that are scattered about the room on little clipboards, uh, we would welcome you to, to do that. We'd love to hear from you. And then you can share those forms in the offering later on in our time together. So thank you for being here. As we uh, prepare our hearts and minds to hear the message that Spirit would have for us today, welcome to this very moment, the here and the now. And, uh, and as each is able and willing, if you so desire, uh, feel free to add your voice, your breath to this beautiful invitation to this present moment that is such a gift, isn't it? So I invite you, even right where you are, to take a deep breath. Notice that you are being breathed, this gift of life. Steal away for a little while, whoever you are, whatever your style, will take a little time.
great welcome to this space beautiful welcome to left hand church my name is christy my pronouns are she her and i am one of the co-pastors here i just want to welcome you to this space um we're short quite a few folks today and we know about two of them are the other co-pastors one's traveling and one's taking her turn with covid so uh we wish them healing and safe travels and um as a byproduct of COVID, then we also get to welcome somebody really new to the space that we're really excited about. We have Amanda Lum from one of our sister churches, DCC, uh, well, uh, joining us today to share the message. So thank you so much for pinch hitting for us at the last minute. So we're excited. We're excited to have you here. I just invite you all to settle into this space just as you are. We're all in different places for different reasons, and I hope that the teaching and worship will just bring you exactly what your heart needs today as we prepare ourselves for the coming week. I'll, everybody says, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy, like I'm tired and I'm ready for cooler weather, and so just enjoy the cool room and the last days of summer and just be present with us today. Each week we start our service with our ethos, which is somewhere different than it used to be, there it is. And it's also on the screen. It used to be there. Married, divorced, and single here. It's one family that mingles here. Conservative and liberal here. We've all got to give a little here. Big and small here. There's room for us all here. Doubt and believe here. We all can receive here. LGBTQ plus and straight here. There is no hate here. Woman, non-binary, and man here. Everyone can here. Whatever your race here, for all of us grace here. In imitation of the ridiculous love Almighty God has for each of us and all of us, let us live and love without labels. Mm. 
Amen. Let's worship together. Amen. Let's indeed. As each is able and willing, let's stand together from your feet or from your seat and in your heart. Be however you need to be to receive this beautiful invitation to presence, to rest. If you want to be seated for that, you are more than welcome to. And as you desire, add your voice to this beautiful invitation uh, from the divine to come away from rush and hurry to the stillness of God's peace. Close your eyes if it feels good, or just soften your gaze in front of you.
And again, I invite you to notice your breath and this marvelous gift of life that you are given. And you didn't have to do anything to receive this gift. You breathe it in. You didn't have to prove your worth or earn this chance at life, at existence, at being here and now. Let's listen for the voice of Christ inviting us. Each day and through the night 
be with you, beloved ones, the peace of Christ to your hearts, your minds, your souls, and your bodies. Let's share a sign of Christ's peace with one another tonight, greeting one another in the name of love. Global Branch, online friends, peace, peace, peace be with you. Thank you for being here tonight. And uh, if you haven't already said hello, please do say hello in the chat because that's how we know that you are here and that, that gives us a chance to greet you, to welcome you into this virtual space that we believe is a very real space we share together. Um, let us know that you're here and uh, if, you, if you want to, let us know where you're tuning in from too, that's always fun. And very shortly, Amanda will be here with us to share a message tonight about Sabbath and rest and delight. And I think it's going to be really good. So we're really looking forward to this. I'm excited to be here. Is it Amanda Loom or Lum? Yep. Yep. Yeah, that was beautiful. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for inspiring the song selections tonight. This is, this is what the pastors do, right? Yeah. For their messages. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's cool. It's really fun. I'm glad we're able to talk about Sabbath. Feels I am light. too. It's yeah, good. it's something we so need. It's a little bit of a, it's a tiny revolution, I think, Sabbath is. Yeah. Call to rest, right? In this yeah. culture and society. Yeah, I think when we're tired, the first thing we want to do is work harder. Mm-hmm. But the Sabbath is actually an invitation to have fun. Yeah, it's find a light. It's, so. a, it's liberation and yeah. love, right? Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. So let's welcome Amanda here tonight, you all. Thanks. It's really fun to be here. Um, Like I said, my name is Amanda. I'm one of the pastors on staff at Denver Community Church. And it's great to be here um, with everyone tonight. I'm actually from Longmont. I grew up here. Went to Longmont High School for just a year. Graduated from Silver Creek. But, you know, first graduating class. But, you know, so it's really fun to be here tonight, be in my hometown. I've been wanting to come and spend uh, time with all of you guys for so long. So it's a real gift for me to be here. So thank you for having me. Um, At DCC, we've been working our way through the Gospel of Luke in this past year. So we're going to be reading in Luke chapter 6 tonight. So if you have a Bible, you can turn with me there. Um, But we're picking up in the story after Jesus and his disciples have had a little bit of conflict with the Pharisees about fasting. Now, since the Pharisees have stepped foot on the scene in Luke's Gospel, they have been stirring up conflict. And tonight, we're going to look at two more tension-filled stories uh, where uh, Jesus is experiencing conflict with the religious elite. And at the center of these stories is one very important day, 
the Sabbath. So we'll begin reading in uh, right at the beginning of chapter 6. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain, rub them in their hands, and eat the kernels. Some of the Pharisees asked, Why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Jesus answered them, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for priests to eat. He also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, he went into the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking, and he said to the man with the shriveled hand, Get up and stand in front of everyone. And so he got up and stood there. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or evil? to save life or to destroy it. He looked around at them all and then said to the man, stretch out your hand. He did so, and his hand was completely restored. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. So Luke tells two stories about Jesus and his disciples being followed, watched, and questioned by the Pharisees. And while these stories are quick, they're packed full of drama. The Pharisees have only just entered the narrative back in chapter 5, but they've already made quite the impression. Everywhere they're going, they're stirring up conflict. Luke has made clear this growing tension between Jesus and the religious elite. He tells story after story that highlights the discomfort and disdain that the Pharisees have for Jesus. And these two stories, they only elevate that reality for the reader. I mean, these stories, they're actually really complicated. They're packed full of details that we could spend months looking at. And there's no shortage of opinions or interpretations about these really complicated verses. But what's at the center of both of these stories is this very important day, the Sabbath. And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight, the Sabbath. Now, simply put, the Sabbath is a day of holy rest, so there's no work on the Sabbath. God in the Ten Commandments asks his people to remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. As Luke starts each story here in chapter 6, he's clear to mention that all of these events are taking place on the Sabbath. And this is a key detail for the stories. We can't miss this because in Jesus' day, there were endless debates and questions about what was permitted on the Sabbath within the Jewish tradition. The Sabbath was no lighthearted matter. Observing the Sabbath was central for any devoted follower. It was one of the most distinctive elements of first century Judaism. And this is why we see this conflict surrounding the Sabbath over and over again between Jesus and the religious elite. Actually, the Gospels record six different interactions. So the Sabbath is a big deal. Now, its importance is not what's at question here in these verses. What's in question is what was permissible for Jesus and his disciples to do on this holy day. The question is, are they working? 
when they're walking through the fields and what they're doing in the fields, is that considered work? When Jesus heals the man in the synagogue, is that considered work? This is what the Pharisees are so concerned about. Because the matter of what constituted work, it was highly disputed in Jesus' day. The Pharisees took it very seriously. And that's because their identity and their purpose as a group was keeping the nation of Israel faithful to God. And they did this by ensuring that the law that God had given to Moses was being kept. Keeping the Sabbath was one of those laws. So in order to ensure that the law was not being violated, the Pharisees, they created more laws on top of the law to make sure that they wouldn't even get close to breaking the law. And these new laws, this was the oral tradition or the Mishnah. And in the Mishnah, actually, there are 39 categories of activities that were considered work on the Sabbath. So according to Mishnah, what the, fair, or what the disciples are doing in the field, they actually violate four of these laws. This is why the Pharisees ask them, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Why are you breaking the law? Right? See, the Pharisees, they're so devoted to purity, and they want to make sure that everyone else is devoted to it too. This is why they're furious with Jesus when he heals the man's hand. Because healing was permitted on the Sabbath, but only if a person's life was at stake. The man in the synagogue, he's not on death's doors, yet Jesus still heals him. And in the Pharisees' eyes, this is a clear violation. They're furious with Jesus. And they actually end up talking to one another about what they're going to do to him. Now, this is interesting. Because the Pharisees' actions here, their reactions to Jesus... It's a bit ironic. See, this, they're so devoted to keeping the Sabbath holy, but their actions and their words and their presence in these stories were actually contrary to what the Sabbath is, does, and was meant to cultivate in humanity. It appears that in their zeal for keeping the Sabbath holy, they lost sight of what the Sabbath truly is. Because... Y'all, the Sabbath is so much more than just not working. The Sabbath is an invitation to experience God's presence. It's, it's an invitation to rest in the acceptance of the divine. This day of rest is about ceasing our work, our striving, our hustling. The Sabbath is an invitation to simply be with God. It's not just a day off. It's not just choosing to do nothing. No, the Sabbath is about allowing rest to do something in us. Because when we participate in true rest, it creates something in us. See, this isn't about simply saying no to work. It's about saying yes to the things in our everyday lives that remind us that we're standing on holy ground. See, for six days, we create, we produce, we work. But on the seventh day, we say to God, create something in me. This is the Sabbath. And when we recognize what the Sabbath was created to be, well, we can see why it was so central to the people of faith. Because for the faithful, observing this day was sheer delight. 
Gosh, it's, it's difficult to even capture the beauty and the depth of this day. It's hard to even get a picture of it, but just to cast a little vision for us, I thought I'd share a few of my favorite quotes uh, about the Sabbath with you. The first one here, the Sabbath is the presence of God in the world, open to the soul of man. It is possible for the soul to respond in affection. This next one, Shabbat is like nothing else. Time, as we know, does not exist for these 24 hours, and the worries of the week soon fall away. A feeling of joy appears. The smallest object, a leaf or a spoon, shimmer in the light. Sorry, guys, I lost my notes here. They got a little mixed up, I think. I bet you I could do it from memory. Shimmer in the light. Shabbat is a meditation of the unbelievably beautiful, I think is what that says. It says the Sabbath is, uh, the next one is the Sabbath is the inspirer. The other days of the week, the inspired, right? Sabbath, it is a exploration of delight. See, when we, when we take and participate in rest, it invites us to consider what we delight in. Sabbath is a reminder to us that we are delighted in. See, the Sabbath, it's, it's so much more than just not working. It's actually a space for us to explore and experience true delight. Uh, Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel says that we are, um, what we are depends on what the Sabbath is to us. And when I consider this, I wonder what the Sabbath had become to the Pharisees. Because it seems from these stories that the Sabbath had become about following the rules, about doing it the right way. It wasn't about delight, it didn't seem. It didn't seem that way because, I mean, y'all, the Pharisees, they're some of the least delightful characters in the gospel, right? They must not have been experiencing. I wonder, had the, had the Pharisees lost their way? In their passion and desire to keep the Sabbath holy, did they forget to experience the Sabbath? Did they forget to rest in the presence of the divine? it appears that they had, right? Um, the way that they show up in these stories, it creates and stirs more conflict than it does any delight. And I wonder, I wonder just what the Pharisees in this moment, what was being cultivated in them? As they worked so tirelessly to keep the Sabbath, what was this cultivating in the people around them? right? I mean, and it's easy, I mean, as much as I want to judge the Pharisees for, for how they're showing up in these stories and the ways that they, they're communicating with Jesus, it's kind of hard to, to judge them too much because you can see why they got that way, right? The Pharisees, they seemed to have lost sight of what the Sabbath was really about, and they had actually made the Sabbath something it was never intended to be, work. I mean, if you think about it, if you really consider this first story, right, the, the, the Pharisees seem to be tirelessly working to make sure that they and everyone else are following the rules. Think about it for just a second. 
the Pharisees are following Jesus and his disciples through a grain field to make sure that they are following the rules. We can laugh because the way that Luke tells this is even a bit comical. I mean, think about it. Think about this, the, the Pharisees are just following. I mean, the, the disciples are traveling from town to town, right? They're walking through a grain field. They're doing their thing. They're eating, right? And we almost get this picture of the Pharisees kind of popping up over the fields being like, what are you doing? Almost like the disciples, I can just see them walking through the grain field and, and they turn a corner and they run right into one of the Pharisees who's like, I saw that. That's a clear violation. I mean, did they turn to one another and kind of awkwardly say, like, did you know that they were here? Where did he come from, right? I mean, it's a bit ridiculous, right? And it's not hard to see how the Pharisees had, had made this sacred day of rest into work. I mean, it's easy to judge them for it, but honestly, I have done this before. I've been in this same place before. When I just graduated from college, my first job was on staff with um, a campus ministry. And one of my favorite practices that I'd picked up um, in my time on staff was a monthly day with the Lord. As a part of our jobs, we were given a monthly Sabbath. And it's a beautiful practice, and it's really shaped very much who I am today. And still, even 14 years later, I do everything I can to ensure that I can take this day with the Lord. Now, there weren't any rules or kind of guidelines or even goals that we had to accomplish on uh, this day with the Lord, so naturally I made some of my own, right? I thought through, what should one be doing on a day with the Lord? And I made that list, and I was like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. So, of course, I, um, I had a prayer list, and I read a lot of scripture, and I found organizations to serve with because, of course, you need to be serving on a day with the Lord. And I had a lot of coffee, and there was a lot of candles, and there was a lot of worship music and journaling, you know, all the things, right? And I had made this list of things that must be done in order for me to feel like I was winning at my day with the Lord. Now, uh, what I realized after doing this for a period of time, uh, what I realized is just how not rested I felt after these days. Uh, I wasn't really experiencing much delight at all. Actually, I was walking away from these days with the Lord, and I was feeling like, wondering, did I do it right? <laughs> did I do enough? See, it's not that these practices that I just mentioned, that there's anything wrong with those. No, those are actually really beautiful ways to spend time in the presence of God. But for me, I had made them into this sacred to-do list. I'd made them into an obligation. I made them into work. And it's easy to do that. It's easy because I think sometimes we just want to know the rules, right? We just want to know the right way to do something. Because if we know the right way to do it, then we can just do it and we can feel good about having done it the right way. I think this is what the, the Pharisees ended up doing. In their passion and desire to honor the Sabbath, they made it into something that it was never intended to be. They made it into work. They're hustling, chasing the disciples through a grain field, writing out citations to them, right? They made it work. I want to judge them, but I wonder, am I so different from them, right? Are we so different? 
See, the Pharisees lost their way. They lost their way in trying to do Sabbath the right way. They made it something it wasn't supposed to be. And maybe this is why they're so angry. I mean, have you noticed how angry the Pharisees are? I mean, this is actually what stood out to me most in these two stories, just how angry they are. I mean, every time we hear about them, they're complaining, criticizing, interrogating, and accusing people. They're angry, and in their anger, they're searching for reasons to be more upset. Verse 7 tells us that they're looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. It feels like Luke is trying to make a point here, and that point being the Pharisees are out of control. Even the language Luke uses here in these verses to speak about it, is, it just kind of speaks to how over the top they are. When, when Luke talks about um, how they are watching Jesus in the second story, the Greek verb that's used there to watch, it actually means to spy out or to look secretly out of the corner of one's eye. When I first read this, you guys, I was like, they are creeping in the background of this service. Like, they're looking back, they're kind of like, I'm watching you, Jesus. Like, what? What are they doing? This is so ridiculous. But anger, anger can make us do some ridiculous things, can it? I mean, have you ever noticed how when you're angry with someone that everything they do just seems to get under your skin? Like, everything they do is just deeply offensive somehow. You're at work, you walk into the kitchen to get another cup of coffee, and you walk in, and you see Molly sitting there. Freaking Molly, right? You're looking at her, and you're like, look at how she's chewing her gum. Like, who chews gum like that? I mean... Look at her sitting in here chewing gum like she owns this place. She doesn't own this place, right? I mean, you get angry, and somehow we can use just about anything to justify our anger. This is just me? Just me like that? <laughs> we can talk more later about it. It's fine. It's fine. But, I mean, what I'm saying is that when we're angry, we're searching for more reasons to be upset, or it's easy for us to justify our feelings, Right? From the moment Luke introduces us to the Pharisees, they are angry, and their anger and resentment towards Jesus, it just builds and builds and builds. It's all they can see. See, Luke tells us that after Jesus heals the man's hand, the Pharisees are furious. And the word used to communicate their anger here, this is a really strong term. This word, it speaks to irrational anger or even pathological rage. They are furious with Jesus. And they're so angry. And it's all they can see. See, the saddest part of this story is that the Pharisees are so lost in their anger that they miss the miracle that just took place right in front of them. A man is miraculously healed in their presence, and they are only more upset. On a day that is meant to be about experiencing the delight and goodness of God and of God's presence, their anger has blinded them to God in their midst. Instead of delighting in this man's restoration, they hold on to their grudge. How very sad. 
And again, while I desperately want to judge the Pharisees and be hard on them for missing the miracle in their presence, I can't help but wonder, am I so different? Are we so different today? I mean, it's pretty safe to say that we're living in some pretty angry times, aren't we? In 2018, actually, a study showed that human beings were living with and experiencing more anger than we had in over a decade. And that was before the world was gripped with fear, pain, loss, and anxiety from a global pandemic. I mean, can you imagine what these numbers would look like today? We don't have to look far to see or experience anger in our world. We don't even have to leave the couch. Just open up any social media app or watch the news or read the daily headlines and you'll see just how soaked our world is in anger. Brene Brown talks about anger in her book, Atlas of the Heart, and she talks about how anger is oftentimes a mask for more difficult emotions like grief, or regret, or shame. She talks about how it's easier for us to say that we are angry with ourselves than it is for us to say that we're disappointed with ourselves. That it's easy for us to say that we're angry with someone than to tell someone that they hurt us. Anger is easy. Well, no wonder our world is so angry. I mean, after living through the pain and trauma of the past few years, it makes sense that we would choose the path of least resistance. I mean, I get needing to choose what's easy right now. I get that. And so we stay mad and we hold on to our resentments, just like the Pharisees did. And if you're anything like me, then it's become easy almost to talk about how angry the world is. And we can talk about it in this distant kind of out here way, like, yeah, the world is an angry place. Did you hear what that person said the other day? Can you believe it? When we don't talk about our anger that happens here. But if I'm honest, if we're honest, then maybe we can admit that I'm angry too. I'm resentful too. And when I admit that, that's when I begin to wonder, in my anger, what am I missing? Are there miracles happening in front of me, but I can't see them because I'd rather be angry? Is God in my midst, but I can't see her? Is delight inviting me, but I can't hear? Again, I ask, am I so different? Are we so different? See, the Pharisees, they're so angry, they seem to have lost sight of the meaning behind the very day they were so divided, devoted to fighting for. And I wonder how different these interactions would have been for the Pharisees if they had been able to experience what the Sabbath was really intended to be. I wonder if they had not been so focused on working to keep the rules, so concerned on making sure that everyone was doing it right, if they could have encountered Jesus and the delight that we feel in his presence. See, I think Jesus knew that the Pharisees had lost their way. Because I love the way that Jesus responds to the Pharisees in these tension-filled moments. I see so much compassion and how he engages with the Pharisees who are lost in their anger. 
See, when people act angry towards me, honestly, I'm like, listen, no one has time for this. And I just write them off or I avoid it. And it could have been so easy for Jesus to do the same, to to just write off their ridiculous behavior, but he doesn't do that. No, he sees them. He sees how they're locked up in their own legalism. He sees that they'd lost sight of what the Sabbath was really about. And as they talk, or as they ask all the wrong questions, he doesn't play their game, but instead he names what's going on. Jesus has the man stand in front of everyone. He asks the Pharisees his own questions, and then he heals the man and changes his life forever. In that moment, when Jesus asks the man to hold his hand out, Jesus offers the Pharisees a new way to see. Almost as if to say to them, this, this right here, this is what the Sabbath is really about. See, Jesus does not challenge them to fix their anger, but invites them to participate in what the Sabbath is really about, restoration, renewal, delight. And so my question for you this evening is this. What do you delight in? What reminds you that you are delighted in? Psalm 18, 19 tells us that God rescued us because God delights in us. This is the invitation of the Sabbath. What do you delight in? When was the last time you experienced delight? What were you doing? Who were you with? Where were you? Have fun with these questions. Be playful and curious about them. Don't limit what delight needs to look like. What brings you delight? Is it it that song when it comes on your shuffle and you hear it and you're just like, yes, this is my jam right now? Is it reading a book for fun or drinking coffee out of the perfect mug? Because that's a thing, right? Is it being alone for an entire day with no plans at all? Or is it sitting down and having a conversation with someone who just gets you, you know? Maybe it's going to your favorite restaurant and ordering that key lime pie that you just love, and when the waiter comes and sets it down in front of you, you're like, oh, I'm not even going to take a breath between bites. Because you're just like, yes, right? Is it running? Is it working out? Is it serving with an organization? Is it having flowers on your kitchen table because they just make you feel good? What brings you delight? What reminds you that you are delighted in? My prayer for us this week is that these questions can actually take root in who we are and that you can experience the invitation that they hold. An invitation to experience God, to be reminded that God rescued us because God delights in us. That's it. See, this, I believe, is the invitation of these stories, one of them at least. Maybe we're being invited to Sabbath with God. 
to take a day of rest in the presence and acceptance of God, to open our soul to God's presence and be reminded of who God is and of who we are made to be. Maybe this is the first step to addressing our anger, our own anger and the anger that we experience in the world every day. Maybe we start with delight. Oh, doesn't that sound great? It sounds great to me. In a world where anger spreads more virally than anything else, we surely could use some delight. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that we should ignore our anger and just put on the rose-colored glasses of delight. That will serve no one. That is not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is maybe we start with Sabbath. Maybe we start by opening our souls to God and inviting our creator to do something in us, to create something in us. Because you see, Jesus reaches out his hands to the Pharisees and invites them in their anger to experience the delight and goodness of the divine. We can enter into Sabbath rest exactly where we are. Angry, tired, weary, hurting, sad, however we come, we can experience delight. So instead of starting with another list of things to do so that we can work on ourselves, why don't we start with resting in the presence of the one who created us and knows us best? Let's start by being reminded of the truest truth of who we are, which is loved. Friends, let's start with delight and see where it takes us. Let's start with Sabbath and see what God creates in us. Let's pray together. God, thank you. I thank you that you rescued us because you delight in us. Not because of what we have done or will do, but just because you take great joy in being with us. I pray that we can explore this idea of delight, that we could let um, these questions take root in us and that they would open our souls to experiencing you and your presence in a new way. God, as we sit here tonight, will you show us how we can um, encounter you and see you working and creating something in us as we say yes to rest, yes to you. God, help us experience that delight. Lord, help us to rest, um, rest today in your presence, to be reminded that we are first loved. We pray these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen.
time, let's worship together with our gifts and our offerings, pooling our resources together. I see this as a collective act of self-love, participating in Christ's call and ministry right here in this town and all over the world. There are a few different ways that you can give, so feel free to select the way that is most convenient and resonant with your flow. And uh, they're all listed at our website, lefthandchurch.org give. If you would like to set up a recurring gift there, that is available to you. If you'd like to text a one-time donation right now, you can do so to the number 84321. Or feel free to use paypal.me slash lefthandchurch. Thank you so much for participation in the life the vibrancy, the outpouring of Left Hand Church, and for your generosity. Thank you. If you are joining us virtually, please gather elements so that you can celebrate communion with us at this time. As we come to this table, we remember that the final meal that Jesus shared with his disciples spoke to the importance Jesus placed on fellowship. He emphasized gathering, enjoying a meal, and ministering to other believers. We are invited each week to participate and to remember. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he sat in a room among his disciples to celebrate the annual Passover feast. He took bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, This is my body broken for you. Take, eat, and remember me. Jesus, we remember that you are the bread of life. You feed our souls, you nourish our hearts, and you give us sustenance to run the race before us. As we break the bread, we feel the softness of your love for us. We smell the fragrance of the grace you release afresh each day. 
Later that same evening, he took the cup. He blessed it and said, this wine is the blood of a new covenant, a promise for the redemption of all people. Take drink and remember me. As we drink this wine, we remember that you are the giver of life. You are forgiveness. You bring deep peace to our souls and your love flows within us. As we pour out this wine, we see your sacrifice poured out for us. We notice the depth of your goodness and the pain and betrayal you suffered. At this church, we have an open table, which means communion is open to everyone without exception. Everyone is invited to receive the bread or gluten-free crackers and grape juice, which to us represents the body and blood of Christ. If you choose not to commune, that's fine too. You can reflect in your seat. You can pray. There's Back by the bookshelf, there's a journal. You can write a prayer in there. You can light a candle. Um, whatever feels right to you in this moment. And I just invite you to come as you're ready to receive the bread and the wine.
Absolutely. Oh, okay. Should we do another round? You want a little, okay, a little bit of some traveling music. Scat. We could, oh, you're, you're gonna scat? I'll, I'll scat while you do it. <laughs> I love it. Some holy scatting. This is like a new, a new <laughs> rendition of our banter, Sean. Yeah, next level, right? Mm -hmm. We're ready for the fall. It's, uh, it's our pumpkin spice banter. Hi, Mabes. You can sit back there. There yes, we go. Thank you. All right, cool. Mm -hmm. I, th I think we did a good job of, of stalling. Uh, <laughs> hey, Heather Lynn, What's do you up? remember when we used to meet on Saturdays? Yeah, I And then do you remember that. when there was like this, this thing where I had a jingle and a mm -hmm. thing where we were like, we we're going to flip flop and here and there? That's right, yeah. Well, like the last season of Game of Thrones, you can just forget it ever happened. <laughs> just put it out of your head. Yeah. Uh, the elders have met, and we're not going to shift seasonally. Yeah. So it's like a rotisserie chicken. You can set it and forget it. It's yeah. just, or your 401k. That's great. Like we are, yeah. uh, the elder board has met, yeah. and we've made the decision as a congregation to stay mm -hmm. with Sunday services. Now, interestingly, our Sunday services will be Tuesdays at 2.30. So... Um, <laughs> You know, it's just left hand. It's how we do things. No, we are staying with Sunday services uh, in perpetuity. So um, that's uh, hopefully met with good news for most of you. And um, now we don't have to like, figure out when we're meeting. We're meeting on Sundays at 5 for now. Um, hey, Labor Day. What you doing Labor Day? You are um, joining us for a September community social. That's what you're doing. Uh, we're going to be gathering at the Pierce's Cabin in Lyons, and that'll be at 3 o'clock on Monday the 5th. There will be hiking, food, games, and music. Bring camping chairs, outdoor games, hiking shoes, something to grill, a side dish to share, and musical instruments which sounds like a thinly veiled attempt at a drum circle, but who am I to say? Uh, parking is limited, so carpooling is a great idea. And are you pretty new to our community? Our newcomer night is September 18th, so stay after our weekly worship service for coffee and treats with some of our staff and elders, and this will be a chance to ask questions you might have and learn a little bit about our community. For more details on these and all of our upcoming events, you can find the events tab on both our Facebook page and our website, lefthandchurch.org. We'll see you there. Thank you, Sean. Let's stand together as each is able and willing. You know, I love how Jesus said that all of those laws the Pharisees were concerned with, all the legalistic premises, all the moral codes, He's, he didn't just say that that's over. He said they're completed, they're finished, they're fulfilled by love. Loving God, loving neighbor, love your, loving yourself. So as we sing this song, Walk in Love, let's, let's imagine walking is about living to the rhythms of love, whether you are literally walking, sitting, crawling, running, whatever, whatever it is. Living life in the rhythms of God's love, amen? When I wake up in the morning, gonna walk in love. When the evening sun is falling, gonna walk in love. Through the troubles of the day, gonna walk in love. Or whatever comes my way, gonna walk in love. 
Jesus. Go in peace, beloved, to love and serve the Lord. Amen. I'm one of the co-pastors here at Left Hand Church. As you listen to this teaching, we hope it was a reminder that the love of God is bigger, more inclusive, and filled with more grace than any of us can imagine. There is truly room for us all here. If you have any questions about Left Hand Church or this teaching, please email me at john at lefthandchurch.org. You can also tune into our live stream services on our church Facebook page every Sunday at 5 p.m. Mountain for great music and original teachings. Thank you for joining us.